everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm Jonathan Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Corey, I got an important question to ask you. Oh, heck. They tell me that you're a woman with true grit. Is it true? Maybe not as hardcore as <laughs> the subject of our movie this week. That's right, folks. We are on our last movie of our Best Actor Goes to Jeff Bridges month. And uh, Corey has never seen True Grit from 2010, and that is what we'll be reviewing here in a little bit. Um, before we get into that, though, we like to check in with each other, talk about what's been going on, and then we discuss what we've seen since the last time we recorded, which wasn't that long ago. Honestly, we were recording early this week because Corey's got to bake cupcakes. Is that right? Yeah, I'm going to be baking strawberry cheesecake cupcakes oh. for my nephew's birthday party. Don't worry, I'll send you some pictures. Yeah, the pictures are not my worry, Corey. I I believe our <laughs> listeners would like to know where they can order these cupcakes. and um, They are $1 million. I'll give you the P.O. box wow. you can send the check to. I'm kidding. I don't bake often. Um, but um, I I will say this, that my favorite, cup, my favorite cookbook... Mm -hmm. I only have like four or five, but this one that I like so many things that I bake out of is from the Hummingbird Bakery, which is mm. based in London, I believe. Um, but they're, if that's where I got this recipe from, but they're all like super easy to follow. I've never made anything that isn't delicious. Huh. So if anybody likes to, you know, whatever. They have quite a few, uh, like, cookbooks, and this one is, like, brown, and I think it has, like, a picture of a cupcake. But they've got, like, cakes and, you know, pies and stuff in there, too, and different desserts, and uh, I love sweets, guys, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. not good, but, yeah. Well, um, my, you know, my daughter uh, has been having some dietary issues over the last year or so. We finally, we, we believe uh, she has celiac disease, which is a gluten-type oh. situation. Um, where eating gluten is not good for her. Uh, her stomach can't process it. Um, so we've been uh, under the advisement of our doctor that we are um, essentially going gluten-free uh, for the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, it's making me uh, kind of go outside the box for, like, meal ideas and things like that because, um, you know, we got to be careful. We can't really eat out because a lot of restaurants do not offer gluten-free anything because of cross-contamination. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, and it's the, the hardest part for my daughter is she's a big, big fan of subs. Like that's one of her favorite foods. Oh. And so <laughs> she can't eat that now. Um, but we found out, uh, yesterday and this is a plug, uh, but not because they pay us, but, um, Jersey Mike's, uh, has now Udi, I think that's how you say it, uh, gluten-free bread that they offer. Oh yeah. Um, and so that was also happens to be her, probably her favorite sub is Jersey Mike's. Um, she's more than also, Publix? Oh, much more than Publix. Publix is like fourth or fifth on her list, I believe. Oh, um, heck. I would trade. We've got at least two Jersey Mike's, and I would, like, trade them for just the Publix Deli. I gotta say, too, actually, Jersey Mike's is my favorite sub. Um, no. Especially their Big Kahuna, which is what I had today. Uh, the chicken, it's a chicken Philly, but with jalapenos, and it's, like, California style. Oh, man, that's a good sub. But what does anyways, that mean, that it has avocado on it? No, it does not have avocado. I don't know why I think it's California. Maybe because it's Big Kahuna. Um, I know they have a few different subs that are, like, California style. That might not be the one. Nonetheless, it was delicious. But, um, okay. so we went there today uh, because um, we found out last night from Mike, actually. Uh, Mike texted her a picture 
because he was, I guess, at Jersey Mike's and they had the big sign that they they have the gluten-free bread. So she came way too excited about the fact that they have gluten-free <laughs> subs. Um, I mean, we, we thought something... I, I was expecting her to show me her phone and it'd be like some breaking news that like something insane is happening. This it was is breaking. This is breaking. It, again, she loves subs and has not been able to have a it, sub for weeks. It is so hard, though. Like, we have um, our cousins eat gluten-free. They don't... They don't mm-hmm. have celiac, but they just don't feel well when yeah. they have gluten. Well, there's and different is... allergies and stuff, too, so it could be anything, yeah. But Yeah, it's so hard, though, because... Oh, it is. It, they, like, put it in everything, though, even, like, yeah. spices anything, and... Anything, yeah, any, like, fl- like uh, prepackaged seasonings will use flour as thickener, so, like, we can't use most of those anymore. Um, and it's those little things you forget to look at, and that's where it, it can still... Even a little bit of gluten can cause her some severe stomach cramping, and it's... It's unpleasant. If, you've, if you've, anyone out there has ever had a stomach cramp, it's it's like that. I don't know exactly how bad because I don't have it, but it's it's got to be way worse because I've I've watched her go from being very happy to being very miserable pretty quickly. I'm glad you guys are figuring it out though. Cause... Yes, but so we go today, and this is I want to praise them a little more because it's not just that they are, they're the only sub place to my knowledge that is offering the gluten free bread, but um, when I ask for the gluten free bread. He very the one every Jersey Mike's that we have been to, and my daughter said this as well. We have had some of the nicest employees. Again, they're not a sponsor. I swear, this is just like a testimonial. Um, but so this guy looks at me very seriously and is like, "Is it uh, an allergy?" And I said, "Yes." And he goes, "Okay, no problem." And he like starts wiping down the counters, making sure that there's no cross contamination from the other breads and stuff. And it wasn't yeah. like an agitated like, "Oh, I have to do this now." It was very much like a concerned understanding. Of that some people legitimately can't eat gluten without you know going into some severe pain um, and I have a friend who's uh, got a gluten allergy where like she breaks out in hives and stuff from it or at least like splotchy red spots so I mean it, that's it, our cousin yeah see so people have Bad. different reactions to it and um, so for the one uh, for Jersey Mike's to do this is really cool and from what I read I don't remember where the article was but I read an article that it was a franchise owner has a daughter who has celiac disease and that's where they came up with this Udi's bread as their sub um, so thankful for that person because again my daughter loves subs she loves Jersey Mike's and now she can get it and she wasn't it's not the same like she's not going to sit here and be like oh it's exactly the same she was definitely like it's different um, the texture yeah the texture was very spongy um, but she did eat the whole the whole sub and she seemed to enjoy it so it's close it's closer than not ever getting to have it again you know like because you can wrap it in a lettuce leaf and be like oh it's a sub but it's not it's not give it's me not some the same. bread yeah, yeah. Um, so that was our food story. And then I made uh, three different gluten-free meals over the last couple of days. I made this – I found a recipe for a gluten-free cheeseburger pie that only I ended up eating because they, they were at, like, an event on Sunday. Uh, an event's not an appropriate word. Um, a friend of Taylor's – I don't want to uh, – uncle, step-uncle, something like that, passed away kind of suddenly a few weeks ago, and they were having, like, a celebration of his life on Sunday. And so my wife and her were at that. Um, so by the time they got home, they'd already eaten, but I loved the cheeseburger pie that I made, Corey. It was so good. Um, I had to buy a, uh, Bisquick gluten-free, like, uh, batter, so I can also make gluten-free pancakes, which is cool. Um, and then, uh, I made, that one was from a recipe. This one I made on my own. It was, uh, cheesy chicken and broccoli rice casserole. So I did, like, you know, I made rice, I made chicken like I, bre- I cut chicken real small and then i mixed it all with the rice and the broccoli put it in a casserole dish and then i made like a bechamel sauce but instead of uh using flour i used that gluten-free bisquick to make like a cheese sauce that i poured into it 
and then baked so like it all kind of like congealed around the rice real good uh taylor had second so i knew i did something right oh <laughs> and then um tonight we made uh, a very simple but nonetheless uh gluten-free um pulled pork uh in the crock pot which came out pretty good i have to say Yum. so uh you know that's our our cooking uh unfortunately though like cupcakes and things like that which my daughter doesn't well, have too big a sweet tooth but um oh. she like realistically she doesn't like get real kick you know a big kick on sweets but she still can't have things like my wife bought bagels yesterday um like for because we're not technically gluten-free although we are eating more gluten-free than normal and my daughter was so bummed she's like oh i really want a bagel <laughs> like i can't believe it they don't have like gluten-free and i was gonna say do. that if you guys do bake um i bake a lot with uh bob's red mill i don't know if you guys have them but um i also make like baked oatmeal every week because oh, okay. it's delicious um and they have gluten-free oatmeal ah. and all kinds of like pastry flowers and stuff like that too well, i haven't tried it yet but um udi does not appear to be at any of our local supermarkets but uh amazon has an amazon fresh where you like you can order groceries what? and i don't i don't know if they'll deliver here I, I haven't gone through anything more than just searching it on amazon but um they have all the udi product there and I, again i don't know if i'm it's udi that's, that's the only thing i can think of is udi um you die which would be weird you die gluten-free no, like, right. oh, no. <laughs> um so uh they might want to rethink that name but um yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna look into it a little more because you can get like they only their website they have way more options but you can't order it unless it's like in your area um but amazon had uh plain bagels and i think everything bagels from them that are gluten-free mm -hmm. so i'm gonna she's more of like a cinnamon raisin or blueberry bagel type of kid than she is like plain but um because she's not a big cream cheese person which i don't understand because i freaking love cream cheese but right? um nonetheless uh we're here more to talk about movies than our dietary things but none you know we like to we like to discuss things because you know this is what's going on in our lives and sometimes this stuff affects our movie watching um because real life gets in the way and uh it it kind of didn't this weekend because i was um all over a, a film festival and then I've, I've watched a couple movies a day for the most part um, I only went Saturday to the film festival. I ended up deciding not oh. to go Sunday uh, because I just I just didn't feel like going on Sunday. And then I also had to take my daughter to her friends um, early because she was like helping get ready for that celebration I mentioned. And then um, I, I ended up I could have left after I dropped her off and still made two movies, but I just wasn't compelled. And it, uh, according to Big Two and I, made the right call. They were not they wouldn't have been worth the trip, uh, so to speak. Oh, um, sad. Yeah, but, you know, I, I had some stuff to do. I had some writing to catch up on. I actually was behind with a few of the reviews, so I went to... We have a new Starbucks that's a little closer to my house um, in front of Legoland, and uh, I, I went there and wrote um, because I, I write better. I know it's a cliche to, like, go to a coffee shop and write, but I don't have any distractions at the coffee shop, so I can actually focus on my computer and nothing else. Um because when I'm home, I just, like, I'm looking at, like, oh, I could play video games. No, no, I can't play video games. Or I'll, I'll throw a TV show on, and then I get distracted. You know, at, at Starbucks, it's my coffee, it's my computer screen, and my headphones. And that's uh, that's it. So I knocked out the three reviews in, like, 40 minutes, which would have taken me probably oh, four hours at home. Nice. So, <laughs> but um, let's get into what we've been watching. Corey, have you seen anything other than True Grit since the last time we spoke? I am still watching King of the Hill, and I've been really busy this weekend. I left my house Friday saturday and sunday like you went like out to the front yard or you went somewhere cool no like i oh. went cool places like friday night 
You were really my... late to a concert. Yeah, I left my house at like 10 or 10.30, and I was super nervous that I wasn't going to get in because I didn't have a tree fort pass, but I was able to just pay $20 to see Low, which they had my favorite album last year, so that was a big deal to me, and I got the set list. Um, and so I didn't get home until almost like 2. I'm old. felt hungover the next day, didn't oh. drink anything that was not you know that was alcoholic um and then saturday we had haircuts and we went on a date and i had like i needed to go to lowe's i mean you know because i have a million plants and then sunday i went on a cemetery tour at our old idaho penitentiary that's weird it was really cool actually (laughs) um i love stuff like that but um yeah so we went on a tour of the you know the prison and that was fun. That made me think Adam Family, and then that made me think of a meme I saw where someone said, uh, "Bring Christina Ricci back as, but now as Morticia." Yes. And then uh, Rami Malek as uh, Gomez, and now I can't unsee him as Gomez. Uh, so, oh my god, that, that's such a good call. All right, yeah, I don't remember who posted that on on Instagram, but I was like, that is pretty dang solid casting, and it would be cool to see Christina Ricci like back in Adam's Family, but not as Wednesday, but as. Uh, Morticia she's such a good Wednesday, though. Well, she like, was, but like honestly, the picture they found it was her in like this black evening gown. It was a little more, uh, honestly, surprisingly more revealing than what Morticia would usually wear. Um, like it was wow. a very deep V, uh, kind of you know, like where like it's you can see like to her belly button almost, but it, like everything's covered. But it, it looked like a Morticia type of dress, like again, a little more sexy than I think uh, would be warranted from a kid friendly movie but i was still like well that does make her look because my first thought too is like she was such a great wednesday you can't just move her yeah. to another character but she's a grown-up now she doesn't you know she's not that kind of plain jane snarky little kid anymore um i think she could pull off morticia and uh yeah i would be in for that um although there's supposed to be an anatomy cartoon coming out this year a uh, cartoon movie and, um yeah i don't remember when i'm pretty sure it's this year though but okay um, hold on I, oh i'm I'm sure you saw that they're remaking The Craft. I did see that Blumhouse is supposed to be remaking The Craft, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they keep remaking everything. Yeah, I don't know why it can't just be another witch movie. Yeah. Why don't you just make a new property? I love the cast of that, and it just, it was so 90s, you know? Yeah, and and we just had, you know, uh, American Horror Story, Coven, well, just, I guess that was like five years ago now already, but... (gasps) um, or something like that, because what are we on, season 8, 9 of American Horror Story? I don't know, I'm so behind. Yeah, me too. Um, I dropped out after Hotel, I think. So, um, okay, well, I've seen a lot. Uh, Saturday, I did go to the festival. I only saw three movies instead of four, because the fourth movie was super crowded, and um, we were in line, like, very far in line, but they were, like, delaying the start of the movie, and Sean and I were both just, like, we were super hot, because it was, like, a crowded little lobby area where we were all, like, crammed in, like, sardines, and we just decided it wasn't worth it. And then uh, Sean read a very in-depth plot synopsis of the film. I think it was called Cold Brook, and we were both glad we didn't sit through it because it sounded pretty stupid. But um, our day started with the, uh, a concert film called Amazing Grace. Have you heard of this? I don't think so. It is Aretha Franklin, um, 1972 recording of her gospel album. Um, she performed it live in a church um, for the recording of the album. And uh, Sidney Pollack, who directed Tootsie and among other movies, uh, was the director for this project. Um, but he ends up, um, 
or not he ends up, but it ends up, uh, apparently Aretha, this is what I've read, Aretha did not like it uh, visually, and so didn't want it released, and so until she passed away last year, it had been just kind of buried with this, no, you can't show it, and then the uh, new, the production company, whoever owns it, convinced her family to allow them to release it, they entered it in some festivals last year, and now it's kind of making the tour in the festival circuit, um, I, I'm, I know Aretha Franklin's like big hit songs. I've never really listened to her, um, like outside of it popping up on a movie or uh, or on the radio or something. I've never like sought out to listen to a Aretha Franklin album. Um, more so, I've never apparently really watched a concert documentary because there's no interviews. It's just like the concert um, capturing that experience. Now I've seen like DVDs of like bands playing live and stuff, but I never felt like it was a concert documentary. So I don't really have anything to base a comparison on with this there's tons of them out there uh, i've just apparently not been drawn to any of them or the bands that i like just have never done a full concert doc um i just or, don't understand what differentiates it from just a, a film concert i guess i no, nothing uh, it is a film concert but um i think the like so like the live aid queen's live aid performance is considered a concert documentary and um it's it's just because it is a it's documenting an event rather than documenting like the details of the event or there's no interviews there's no talking heads it's just the concert so um and i I guess i've seen a few that have that but they also interject it with like traditional documentary footage like i used to love uh i think it was just called corn um because i was a big corn fan when i was in high school and i had the dvd when it came on dvd but i had it on vhs first and I used to watch it like crazy. And it was like behind the scenes stuff of them like uh, hanging out, recording albums. I think it was when they were recording Life is Peachy actually was what the uh, overall like documentary part of it. But then there were performances as well. Um, and I had Mudvayne's LD 5.0 uh, DVD, but that also had like them behind the scenes in the hotel room. I remember that specifically they were at a restaurant and then the bass player Ryan Martin was talking about the uh, secret sauce from Steak and Shake, which um, they put on like their patty melts. This is I'm quoting him almost verbatim here, which is a little scary. That that's how my brain memorizes stupid stuff. But um, I still wouldn't. It's not. It's not exclusively a concert doc. So I don't think I've ever sat through just a concert without like having those behind the scene moments or whatever. Uh, this one is just the the performance. Now there is uh, the Reverend talking, but he's talking to the audience about the recording of the concert. And it's all done, like, in, you know, it's not earlier and then this. It is him speaking as Aretha's, like, standing there. Aretha never speaks. Like During her shows? During her, well, during like, this show. I don't know about her other shows, but during this show, does not speak to the audience, doesn't work the microphone. The Reverend will step what? in and speak. And I, I thought that, too, because every concert I've ever been, the singer works Answer. the crowd. Um, and I don't know if it's maybe because it was such an intimate crowd or because it was a recording session. Or um, maybe because of her, like, the vocal styling that she has. Her voice is so powerful. Maybe she doesn't want to risk, like, losing her voice. Um, especially because it was a recording. Also, it wasn't... It's uh, I, I think it's one of the highest grossing gospel albums of all time um, oh. that came from this live performance. Uh, something like that. But um, I will say, she's super powerful. I, I cannot... You can't help but be awed by her talent. Um, I'm, I wasn't super familiar with the songs. I'm not a religious person. I did not grow up going to church. Um, and so I don't really know a lot of the songs. I mean, obviously the titular song, Amazing Grace, I've heard a few times. Um, but, uh, the girl who ended up sitting next to me, cause it was a pretty packed house. It was a, it was like a 1230 start time too. Um, she not only knew all the songs, 
but she was feeling this this concert and it made me happy because i i wasn't like i wasn't against it i wasn't i wouldn't say i was bored but i was kind of like man i'm not really into this music um i can appreciate the talent but man i'm ready to to move on uh she but she made me smile because i like if this were hitting me like it was hitting her the, the it's definitely powerful but it just wasn't for me in the way that I don't know the music I have nothing connecting to this uh, this girl was like she you, I could she was restraining herself from singing along but it was like you could tell she was singing along quietly you know what I mean like I didn't hear her but I her hand motions and her head was moving with it she was singing along you know what I'm saying like uh, it's that kind of made it a really cool experience in my opinion um, but otherwise the next thing though and I won't talk this long about all of them but uh, amazing grace solid film um, I, but we watched this documentary called Wrestle, and uh, I kind of let Sean pick the movies, but he was going to go... There was this other movie, something with bees, and it was like a, a war drama, and I was like, dude, that sounds so boring. I don't want to sit through that. And I'm like, there's a documentary about high school wrestlers that they're comparing to Hoop Dreams, which is a doc that I like. Um, he hates Hoop Dreams, cause, but I like basketball. I, I don't know if that's why or not, but uh, Wrestle's about high school wrestlers, and it's set in Alabama. And holy crap, Corey, I'm so glad I saw this movie. This movie is outstanding, um, especially as a teacher. Um, it hit a lot of my personal, like, any anytime I see a teacher trying to help people who are maybe going to fall through the cracks or fall into a cycle um, of, of, like, their lives. Like, they're, these kids, are they'll be the first to graduate high school in their family. They'll be the first to go to college in their family. And at the same time, because of where they live, because of the school that they attend, um, and because of their family backgrounds, the probability of that is is always low. Like that, you, you may that. not graduate, you may not go to college, especially if you do anything wrong. If you don't hit every step completely right, you will fall into that cycle. And this movie was inspirational. Um, it's it's it follows four high school kids uh, in Alabama at J.O. Johnson High School. And their coach, um, and I'll tell you what, Corey, this guy curses at these kids a lot. It made me, I kept going, <gasps> like, I was like, that, you know, shocked old white lady in movies, you know, where it's like, oh my, you know, because <laughs> as a teacher, and as I coached girls golf, like, I, I've, I've been on both sides, I've never cussed at my athletes, like, I don't curse at my students, um, I may have said hell once, like, like, what the hell is wrong with you guys, like, if they were really acting up, and I don't even think I've ever done that, but, like, that would be the most, this guy's dropping F-bombs, and, like, my favorite word, um, yeah, but there's some crazy scenes in the movie, I, I was totally amazed, uh, throughout, and it's only 96 minutes, but, man, it, it, it holds you, um, and it does a good job of kind of showing, like, the life of the wrestler, like a high school wrestler. And then at the same time, it doesn't focus on that. It's really more about these kids and what they're going through and how they're trying to find where they fit into all of this. And it, it's really, really awesome. So did it just end or did you, like... You do get some closure. Um, okay. I, I don't want to talk about what type of closure, but you do get some closure at the end. Um it, it is. Just... It follows them exclusively for one season. Um, okay. Two of the athletes are seniors. One, and I think two of them are freshmen. Um, and so even, uh, but it keeps the freshmen. I won't say what, but they. It, it's been enough time that we're able to find out what happens to them senior year. Um, at the end, like with a quick, like a little bit of video and a little title card. So um, you do get you do get information on all of them. Um, okay. And the coach. So yeah, it, it is. It's. 
took long enough to film. I don't know. I think that, I think what I read was they had like 640 hours of footage to, to edit down to 96 minutes. Um, so Dang. anyone who ever questions the artistic nature of documentaries, think of that. 640 hours that you have to filter through and decide what to show. There's a lot of creativity going through that process. But um, next up, we, we picked this. The, again, we had two movies to choose from after we saw Wrestle. And both were military-based. Uh, we ended up picking the. There was one a documentary and one a narrative. We ended up going with the narrative, and this is the synopsis. This is all we had to go with: a film about soldiers trying to reintegrate into society after tours of duty. And the, the movie's called Tomorrow, uh, directed by Martha Pinson. Now we get into this movie, and it's about a soldier, and it's then about a bunch of other people. And it has nothing to do with military, really, at all, except this one guy was a soldier, and he is in a wheelchair as a result of being a soldier. That's Not, like, reintegrating back into well, society? No, there's definitely some of that, too, for sure. Don't get me wrong. It's not a total misleading IMDb post, but it definitely made it sound like it was going to be, like, very, very military. And, one, also, what country do you think this movie would be set in, based on that description? I would think America. Yes, it's not. It's it's a it's a British movie, <laughs> and what? Yeah, and that's why it's not a gung ho like propaganda piece for for troops or soldiers or war or anything like that. It's very much a. Uh, it's almost I would say it's like a mellow melodrama comedy to a degree because there's some definite melodrama in the movie, but there's a lot of humor. There there was a moment in the movie, I will not say because I want people to see this movie tomorrow from 2018. Um, where Sean and I laughed for probably like three minutes nonstop from one scene. And it was partly with how they presented the scene. And I mean, I was like for real laughing. Like my body was like moving laughing. So I was trying not to be loud because I'm sure at some point we had exhausted what was an appropriate amount of laughter, but I could not stop laughing because it was so funny. That's the worst. Um, and it's also, I, I really love the performances. There's nobody really famous in this movie. Um, it's all for the most part. I think the most famous person is a character actor named Stephen Fry. Um, I would argue he's probably the most known out of the people in this film. But I really love the cast a whole lot. Um, I didn't even realize this until just now. But uh, the second guy is uh, also the writer of the film. I had no clue. Um, and I, 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 I personally really, really like this film. Sean liked it. Um, I, I almost want to say I loved it. I, I was really into it and had a really good time with it. But um, those are my three films on Saturday. I watched True Grit on Sunday. And then, Corey, oh, my God. So <laughs> yes. there was a film I missed at the festival on Friday night um, because I didn't go Friday night and uh, because I was recording with you on Friday night. And um, I, I was able to get a screener for it. And it's a Japanese film called One Cut of the Dead. This movie is a horror comedy that I love so, 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 so much. Um, I don't know how to say any of the names. I didn't. I'm not familiar with any of the actors. But uh, so the opening premise, the the big conceit of this film, is that um, there is a 40 minute continuous shot with no cuts, no edits. Hence the name One Cut of the Dead, right? Um, and this is the synopsis on Letterbox. Things go badly for a hack director and film crew shooting a low budget zombie movie in an abandoned World War II Japanese facility when they are attacked by real zombies. It's so freaking good. I, I like, the, is this one? I haven't finished my review yet for this because I don't know what I can talk about because there is definitely some plot twist, and I don't want to ruin the experience that I had, which was I knew very little. I knew about the forty minute shot, and I knew about the uh, the what I just read, and I knew nothing else. 
but holy cow, if you can see this movie, see this movie. Um, I want to say Sean Baker, director of The Florida Project and Tangerine, uh, wrote a very uh, praising review on um, Letterboxd about it. If you don't follow Sean, one, if you're not on Letterboxd, get on Letterboxd. Two, uh, if you don't follow Sean Baker on Letterboxd, you're missing out because his reviews are always, one, they're always complimentary because he is a advocate for filmmakers, so he always tries to give the positive light, which I kind of like. Um, and then, uh, but this particular one, I was just like, yes, Sean, you are correct. This movie is brilliant. Um, and then, uh, so that's, I watched that in the morning yesterday. And then last night, I watched the movie that I feel like Mike introduced to us on the top five a while back with uh, Crispin Glover and Keanu Reeves from 1987. Nope, 90, 1986 called River's Edge, which we discovered was the, uh, apparently, based on a true story, that was also the inspiration for um, Seven Mary Three's song Water's Edge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's on Hulu. Um, and oh. So, uh, Kathy and I watched it last night together, and it's weird. Like, Mike's, I think Mike warned us that it was weird. Dennis Hopper is also in this, so you have a speed connection um, with Keanu and Dennis Hopper. And then uh, Ioni Sky, who is the uh, Wayne's ex-girlfriend in Wayne's World, is the uh, kind of love interest um, in the film. And from Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, not Can't Hardly Wait. Um, say Anything. Ah. Oh. I didn't realize that. Um, and Daniel Roebuck is in this. Who uh, He's in stuff I've seen, but I don't really fully recognize him from all the stuff. He's in, like, the uh, Rob Zombie movies. He's in, like, almost all the Rob Zombie movies. Um, yeah, I think he's in all the Rob Zombie movies. Um, well, I saw House of Thousand Corpses and was like, peace out. Yeah, I haven't seen most of them either, but I've, I've seen a few of them. Um, but, uh... But um, I it's a weird movie. It's a hard watch uh, overall because it's there's some weird stuff. And Crispin Glover, it's hard for me not to see him as uh, you know McFly from Back to the Future, like George McFly. Um, especially some of his line reads in this movie, it just sounds like him being crazy. Um, uh, but yeah. So, um, the last movie I watched, I watched this morning, and it's one that, um, you know, Sean and, uh, Matt and I did the Oscar pool this year, um, and Sean, Sean and Matt tied, so I have to watch two movies for losing, <laughs> and, uh, luckily for me, uh, only Matt was kind of harsh, um, Sean actually picked a movie I wanted to see anyways and that he was recommend like it's one he liked a lot um and I, I watched that one today have you heard of Anna and the Apocalypse from officially 2017 but I believe it was making the rounds last year that does sound familiar so here's this this movie is a Christmas oh. m- uh, musical zombie movie and if you oh know me God. I love Christmas movies Especially I love zombie movies, movies. Or at least I like a lot of zombie movies. I don't love all zombie movies, but I like a lot of zombie movies. And I am um I'm hit or miss with musicals. And um I happen to uh really, really like uh this particular musical. I thought the songs were really good and uh, it was very entertaining and the zombie elements were cool. But what this movie does that some zombie movies or zombie TV shows uh often neglect is it it developed characters that i actually liked and i was 
you know, um, it's a zombie movie, so I'm not going to say who, but characters are going to die in a zombie movie. It's bound to happen. Um, and I was emotionally upset multiple times in this movie, uh, which says something about the film, that it actually succeeded in making me care. Um, and some of the songs, though, for real, because it's, it's uh, Anna, the titular character, is a high school student. Um, it, it, you're under the impression she's a senior. And uh, that the movie starts off like a normal high school type movie. Um, and so that, like that, some of the songs there are really, really great and, uh, feature some awesome musical little performances and, um, the zombie slaying is cool, uh, for sure. It definitely, it's British as well. So that you get, you get, it's hard for me not to like think Shaun of the Dead cause I'm watching a zombie comedy. Um, so I am going to naturally compare it to one of my favorite films. Uh, side note, Edgar Wright liked to tweet. Um, and, uh, so, um, I... I just so appreciate that you are a nerd too. Like, I just appreciate that you sent that to me, and I'm happy it happened. <laughs> yeah, um, it made me very happy. I sent it to way too many people probably because I was just like, that's, "Look, that's so cool, though." <laughs> Edgar, I like to tweet. It's your favorite director. It is my favorite director. Who I fe- that's I still a big feel like deal. he writes his movies for me. I haven't. No one's convinced me otherwise of that so far. So. um... But anyways, and in the apocalypse, the last movie I watched. Sorry, it went a little long again with with all of that. But I, I, you know, some of these movies I'm really hyped about, and I know other people haven't seen them, and some you can't see yet. But I don't want you to forget about them. So, uh, wrestle for sure. Tomorrow, I think is going to be hit or miss for people. Tomorrow work for me. Uh, get past the first ten minutes. It's a little, a little try hard at the beginning. But then once the characters kind of all are introduced, uh, they are so freaking charming. Um, I loved all the characters in the movie, even though it, it ends up being very much an ensemble movie for tomorrow. Definitely recommend uh, that people give it a chance. And then um, Anna of the Apocalypse is available, so definitely rent that, buy it, whatever you got to do. I bought it because uh, it was it was 10 bucks I think, on Vudu, and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and buy oh, it. Cause, um, and then uh, One Cut of the Dead. It's been out. It's been hitting the festivals for over a year, so I'm anticipating it, hopefully getting distribution here soon. Uh, keep an eye out for one cut of the day because man not only is that 40 minute shot pretty impressive to pull off because it's a zombie movie so like if you know anything about like long cuts it is very hard to do action with that because you have no room for error so just keep that in mind um so it's impressive in that regard but then there's other things that are uh, just it's just great so highly highly recommend all of those films that i i said i recommend uh, again, I think that Amazing Grace um, concert film is definitely for a... Uh, if you are the audience for it, I think you're going to love it. If not, it's still enjoyable because, again, it's hard to... You can't deny Aretha's talent. The woman is an amazing singer. Um, or was. Uh, sorry. Uh, was an amazing singer. But I think... I... Go ahead. First, we're going to... I mean, this is a movie podcast, but did you know... I feel like I should just come to Tribeca with you. Um that they're doing a 25th anniversary screening with a reunion of Reality Bites? Mm-hmm. I did. I did, yeah. Um, I think... I don't remember if we're there when it's happening, though. Because <sighs> we're there from the 1st to the 5th. And we... Like, that, those type of events you don't get into for free unless we happen to get a critic invite. Like we did last year for Tully. Um, which was really cool because Jason Reitman was there and I am a... I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of Reitman, but I like a lot of his stuff, and uh, I especially love Tully. Um, I like Juno. Uh, I don't know how anyone doesn't like Juno, 
but um, there are people uh, who don't, uh, and fired. some of them I don't understand. But um, I, uh, I definitely, you know, want. Um, I definitely want. Uh, to see things at the festival like they're doing the yesterday's uh premiere there and um i want to go to that but it's 40 bucks for a ticket unless we get a critic invite so i'm fingers crossed gonna get a critics invite i'm not holding my breath because i'm sure every uh critic that's at the festival wants to go to that um and some have way more pull than i do um but uh that the reality by saying they're also doing um an apocalypse now screening but that's like opening day I won't be there opening day. And then uh, one of the things I am excited about, though, on the Saturday at the festival is May the 4th. And they're showing um, a free screening of Star Wars A New Hope and encouraging people to come in cosplay. So I'm really like, oh, I'm not going to be in cosplay, but I really want to go to that because I love seeing Star Wars on the big screen because it's awesome every time. That's rad. So, um, yeah, I'm looking. I can't wait to go to Tribeca. Uh, I also have the Florida Film Festival coming up. And possibly the sarasota film festival i'm not sarasota is a little more controlled so it's I, I only have to see a few movies there but it is a it's a drive so i'm probably not gonna go to that one but um especially since i'm already doing the florida one but uh that said um you want to get into the stats about true grit yes all right true grit came out in 2010 and it is a remake of an older john wayne film and it's based on a book um uh, this one, this version that we watched, uh, is written, uh, adapted by, by Joel and Ethan and others, but directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh, I actually like they're my friends. I called them Joel, Joel and Ethan. Um, it is the debut of Haley Steinfeld, as well as starring alongside her, Jeff Bridges, Matt Damon, Josh Brolin, Barry Pepper. Um, Dakin Matthews has some very funny parts. And that's the... Oh, and uh, did you catch Domhnall Gleeson? No. He was the the guy in the cabin. Um, I don't want to spoil things, but um, <gasps> things go wrong for him. Uh, <laughs> that did not look like him. What? Yeah, it's totally him. If you look past the long hair, it's totally. I'm 100%. googling it. Um, and then uh, Elizabeth Marvel plays an important version of a character. I don't want to say anything else because some of that would be spoilers. We we do listeners. If you're new to the show, we start spoiler free, and we will clearly announce when we're going to go with spoilers. Um, the plot synopsis on IMDb says a stubborn teenager enlists the help of a tough U.S. marshal to track down her father's murderer. Uh, the, the tough teenager, or a stubborn teenager, is Haley Steinfeld. Uh, Jeff Bridges is that U.S. marshal. And um, the Texas Ranger who shows up chasing the same bad guy is uh, Matt Damon, who's uh, the boof is his name in the movie. The bad guy's name is Tom Chaney and played by Josh Brolin. Although he's not in this a whole lot, he will be... Uh, heavily featured in the next Cohen film, which is No Country for Old Men. Um, I have seen this before. I watched this, uh, I think, two or three years ago. And I, I think I, I watched it when I started the uh, challenge that started BerkReviews.com, um, which was just to watch a movie a day for the entire year back in 2016. And this was one of those movies, and I, I had to watch it on my phone. I think I might have mentioned this on our last episode because um, I was at an event with my daughter, and I had to get my movie in. So I started watching it there. So I've been wanting to rewatch this. Um, I kind of lucked into watching it when I watched it uh, this time because my wife wanted to watch a movie, and I, I think she wanted to watch the original Pet Cemetery, and I just, 
I'm just not feeling watching that movie. I don't know what it is about it. I just am like, I don't want to sit through it. Um, and so I was like, I don't really want to watch that. I, I could, uh, I, I need to watch True Grit, though, for Movie Club. Would you be uh, cool with checking this out? And at first she wasn't, and I was like, I, I convinced her, and she ended up liking it. Um, I, I love this movie. Um, I, I, I used to think I didn't like Westerns, and I've, I've, apparently I used to think I didn't like a whole lot of things, and my taste has definitely opened up tremendously over the last three years. But Westerns are... are I definitely I wouldn't say I love all westerns, but the, if a western works for me, um, it's quickly a movie that I, I latch onto, and this is one that I I just love so much about it. Um, and I particularly I am a Haley Steinfeld fan. I, I think I don't think she is praised enough as an actress. Um, she, in my opinion, has possibly single handedly revitalized the. Uh, the transformer franchise because she's excellent in bumblebee um if you have if you slept on edge of 17 cannot stress enough that you give that movie a watch not to mention it has Haley lou richardson in it and woody harrelson it is so good um and then uh to be honest of all the movies that she's done the pitch perfect ones are probably where i i feel like she hurts the movie but i don't feel like that's her performance i think it's just the character that's written into the film is is a little obnoxious and a little unlikable. Um, I think she does well with it, and I think she has a good singing voice, so I'm not insulting that. Um, but I feel like her character just doesn't fit in the world of Pitch Perfect, especially the first one. Um, but here, uh, in her debut, she's a powerhouse. I mean, she's standing up with Matt Damon and Jeff Bridges, and I think she steals some of the scenes from these guys. And uh, I, I, I'm just charmed by her immediately. She's so... And she's essentially unlikable in this movie. And yet, I'm like, I'm so impressed by her demeanor and who she is. Especially because it's the Old West. She's a 14-year-old girl. And she's smart. She's uh, articulate. Um, and she does not allow people to mess with her. Um, even though she's insulted multiple times. Um, and uh, I love Bridges in this film. Uh, he's, again... I think this is the film where he starts. Well, no, wait. What was Pure Country two thousand nine? Not Pure Country. Uh, Country Heart or whatever. Heart. What do we watch? It's something with heart in it. Um, whatever that movie was. I think that might have been before. You keep saying stuff and it makes me uh forget. My bad. No, that's fine. But um, whatever. He's like old Jeff Bridges plays a cowboy. That's his go-to Crazy Heart. Um, 2009. So that must have been the movie that started the process. Because then he's like Hell in High Water. He's the uh, the cowboy. Even in um, uh, Kingsman, um, Gold oh, Compass, yeah. Golden Circle, he's like a cowboy type character, which all of the American uh, Secret Service uh, guys are like that. Um, but Or the statesmen, excuse me. Um, so he, he's kind of gone into this like, you know, country guy. Even... I don't know if you ever saw R.I.P.D. It's like the uh, supernatural Men in Black with him and no. Ryan Reynolds. It's it's bad, but it's also if you like them, it's very enjoyable because they're funny together. Um, it, he's had this kind of stint of this character type, but it just freaking works, and I love him as Rooster Cogburn. Um, in this, uh, uh, man, it, he's got this you know an eye patch, which John Wayne has is that character in the John Wayne version of this film. I've never seen. Um, I, I honestly I don't think I've seen many John Wayne films 
Um, it's it's a, a gap area that I, I plan on eventually working on. I'm going to start with the searchers at some point. Um, but this film works for me. I am if you've listened uh, to the podcast or read my reviews, I am a big fan of the Coen Brothers. Um, almost I've seen almost every one of their films. I think I'm missing Hudsucker Proxy and the uh, Catherine Zeta Jones George Clooney one. I think something intolerable America's, cruelty. Oh. I always get it mixed up with America's Sweetheart. That is uh, John Cusack, Julia Roberts, and yes. Billy Crystal. Um, but and I don't remember who directed that, but it's not the Coens. Um, but I, I and I don't like Lady Killers. Uh, they're the Coens remake of that old film um, with Tom Hanks. Uh, but this film um, definitely works for me. Uh, I I do like the Coens original stuff more than their their uh, remakes or adaptations, but. I, I, well, I'm sorry, not, I don't mind their adaptations. They've adapted a lot of novels like No Country for Old Men, which is a masterpiece of a film, in my opinion. Um, but I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Coens. Um, I love their style. And this particular film really, really, really clicks for me. And uh, now I want to hear your thoughts, Corey. What did you think? Um, I enjoyed it. I, did think that Haley Steinfeld's character was a little much. It made it a little hard to believe, actually, given the time that it was, that really bad things didn't happen to her. <laughs> because, you know, I don't yeah. know. Um, it it was a little melodramatic. Um, I enjoyed it. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. Of the um, the five Jeff Bridges movies that we've watched this month. Which, uh, maybe save this question for later, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Let's do it now. Um, no, wh- let's do it later because I need to make my list. Oh, okay. okay I know wait. what you're going to ask. Okay, we'll wait then. Um, well, uh, what about Jeff Bridges in this movie? Oh, I liked him. I, I, okay, I have to say this, and it's not really related to the movie, but it's Jeff Bridges, but have you seen the beer commercials that he's in right now? I don't think With- so. Carrie from, uh, you know, Sex in the City. Really? Sarah Jessica Parker? Or... <laughs> yeah, they both go into a bar and they order their regular drinks, but he mispronounces it. So oh. I'm going to start calling it that, just so everybody knows. What? Can you if say I, it? Uh, I, sure. And it's Stella Artois, but oh, okay. he says Stella Artois. <laughs> <laughs> I have and not. he's like, oh, do you want to order, oh, a white Russian for you? And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to try something new today. And she comes in and they're like, oh, a Cosmopolitan or whatever her drink is, a Cosmo. Uh, and she's like, no, they're, she's like a Stella Artois. And they both have the drink and they're like, nice choice, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of uh, regular TV anymore. It's um, on Hulu. And oh, like they're I don't know who they think they're advertising to when they're advertising to these people who pay for like the less expensive give me the ads and they're like showing me <laughs> Tiffany's and like I can't even remember the cars that they're showing me that I didn't even know were cars. Well, I think that's probably more like Hulu just needs money and if the advertiser is willing to give them money, but that is a valid point because they, they should definitely learn their demo because if I can afford that car, I'm probably paying for the no commercial version of exactly. Hulu. Exactly. I'm like, Bill, who are they advertising to right now? Oh, man. That it's is so funny. funny. That's a good observation. Um, yeah. Maybe rethink that, advertisers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We should mm. have, like, Pap's Blue Ribbon commercials on our <laughs> is affordable i mean you know you can keep the stella artos on there i drink that but oh man oh um, that's it 
I just and he's like as Big Lebowski, and I think that the they've been like talking about him bringing the character back or like filming another one. I think that was a hype for the commercial. Now that I, now that you mentioned that, Dang. I, I kind of remember because um. um, there was a lot of hype. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, is he gonna be?" They're doing Big Lebowski too, um, but the Coens have not. Am I right? They've not done a sequel, if I'm not mistaken. I cannot think of any other movies having a sequel. You've seen more than I have, and True. I can't. Think but I don't want to be but wrong. That but yeah, I'm fairly confident they've never written a sequel to any of their movies. Um, and or directed any of the anything as a sequel. I mean, there are some that you could argue might be within the same world or universe, but I don't think they've ever done a direct, clear sequel. No, I am correct. They have not. Um, but uh, so I would be surprised if they would do Big Lebowski too. That's not their style. Um, they'd have to have one heck of a story because they're not making. I mean, they're making movies to make a living or whatever, but they're not making movies that are expected to be big blockbusters. And sequels are usually for that reason. Um, mm-hmm. I would say most sequels exist simply to get people back in seats and sell tickets. And I don't think that's the Cohen's goal. I think they're they they come to film with an artistic mind. And sure, they they want to make you know money, but they're not looking to write blockbusters. I mean, their biggest it, films are always you know s- pretty small indie films by comparison. Mm-hmm to like blockbusters i mean there's they're bigger than an indie film i shouldn't throw that out there like they're just making stuff no one's heard of but it's still but I like i think it still does give them that artistic freedom it, it like, does you know i know you mentioned that but i i i feel like that would give you more opportunity to do what you want yeah and so like i feel like they would do a sequel if they had a script for it but i don't think they're gonna do it with that just, just because of the cult following that lebowski has built over the years um you know uh Nonetheless, if it happens, I'm I'm in because I like I love the Coens. I like Big Lebowski. I do want to rewatch it, um, especially because I've too. I've grown to really love Jeff Bridges um, more and more, and I feel like I would appreciate that character even more now. Um, but uh, and I also I've I've always loved John Goodman, but he always like wins me over. He's he's a Cohen regular, although he's not in this one. Um, but you know he shows up in. Uh, and Inside Lulin Davis, which I love. Um, I love he's that movie. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou, which I love. Um, and then he's also in uh, in Big Lebowski, um, which I think was his first Cohen appearance, although I could be wrong, because I still haven't seen, as I said, those two other films. But, um, well, uh, it sounds like Corey liked the movie. Um, I very much like this movie. Uh, let's get into spoilers, and then we'll wrap up. So, uh, Corey, give him the warning. <laughs> Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about True Grit in great detail. Uh, spoilers, you've been warned. So, I love the scene with Seinfeld's character negotiating the refund of the horse and the ponies. Because <laughs> um, the, the, that's where I mentioned that guy's name, who I've already forgotten, unfortunately. Um, it is uh, Dokken Matthews. He plays Colonel Stonehill. Um I I freaking love it. It's she's such a powerhouse, and he's so frazzled by her, and he thinks she's a little pushover little girl, and she is not. And I think that's where we get a lot of who she is as a character in that moment. Um, you know, she's not going to take no for an answer. She has she wants to avenge her father's murder, and she's going to do everything she can to make sure that Thomas Cheney pays or Tom Cheney. And um, 
man, her delivery of dialogue is, I, I mean... It's so matter-of-fact, like, mm-hmm. without, like, not a blink of the eye, or, you know. Yeah. Just she, very matter-of-fact. She never doubts it, and I love, she constantly throws, like, the lawyer at people throughout <laughs> yeah. this movie, and I am convinced there is no lawyer, but she is so quick to, like, I've got this great lawyer. It's like, what? <laughs> Why would you have a lawyer? Like, um... And then even, like, when she first meets uh, LaBeouf, and he's, like, just creepily watching her sleep, and then he creepily says he considered kissing her for a minute, but now he's just gonna whip her, because she's being so snarky and rude. Um, and then later he actually does spank her, which is... With a switch! Uh, with a switch! Um, and I, I love when Cogburn, like, decides that he's on her side. Because um, that's the thing with, with Bridges' character in this movie, is he's so against, like, helping her... And you don't know if he was actually going to, like, at one point when she first offers, you are kind of thinking he's trying to trick her, that he'll take the money and leave. But then it does look like he's going after Cogburn. Um, But you see him take a liking to this kid that's so, it's so natural and so, like, I think he, he, she earns his respect, you know. Um, She definitely earns LaBeouf's respect, too. And I love that about this movie. Like, she's able to win these tough-ass, you know, one definitely by the book, Texas Ranger, and then the other very much does what he Outlaw. wants, U.S. Marshal. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and she wins them both over, so much so that the end um, with the snake bite is so touching to me that he, not only does he push her horse to death, which is so sad, and I forgot, and I'm pretty sure off. my wife was mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why does he do this? But well, he's trying why to save her. Why do you choose her. these movies? No, why oh, do you, you choose these movies where the animals get murdered? Because I am a Keanu Reeves fan, and John Wick ah! <laughs> yeah. built around that premise. Um, Dang it. Um, I also, he's like a, he's like a lone, you know, mm-hmm. he likes to be by himself, too. Yeah, yeah. Um. I was going to say Lone Ranger, but har, har, har. Um, well, you know, I, I, and he like, he kind of moves away from that for a little while with her. He go, ends up going back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of interesting too. Yeah. And there's some really funny scenes in this movie. Um, there's also some very tragic scenes in this film. Uh, but like that, that ending, which I, you know, she gets bit by a rattlesnake, which that whole snake part I also had forgotten about. And I knew my wife is terrified of snakes. So really? like, I, yeah, I knew that scene was going to freak her out. once it like, I was like, Oh no, oh, no. there's snake. And so then, and then it leads to a horse dying. And I'm like, I'm in so much trouble with this movie. <laughs> like, damn. Um, I wonder if she'll ever come visit us again because Bill's going to get a pet snake. Maybe we don't tell her until she gets here. Maybe. Um, but yeah, she definitely won't like that. But um, but the fact that when the horse dies, he picks her up and carries her. And he's not, like, a young man. He's, like, old and, and out of shape, and he's carrying her. Like, that's not the man we met. The man we met would have just left her to die. Yeah. And now he's he's risking his own life to save this girl's life. Um, and he does save her life, but he doesn't save her arm. Uh, which is, I think, an interesting point, too. That This film doesn't just like everything's not a happy ending like the horse dies which she was really close to that horse she you know instantly took a liking to that horse and then um 
she loses her arm so it's not like everything's just oh it all works out she did get her revenge but at a price you know like it takes a toll and i think there's a, a moral lesson that can be you know pulled from that um i and you know um she gets to shoot uh tom cheney which the scene where tom cheney shows up for the first time because that's the thing josh berlin is barely in this movie like he he's in it for like maybe five minutes um and he's the antagonist uh in essence, although really the conflict in the film is centered around the trio of LaBeouf, Cogburn, and uh, Maddie Ross. But um, when he shows up at the river and like he's got that like kind of dumb like demeanor going on where he's just like, hey, you're that one girl. <laughs> just he doesn't. I, this is going to sound dumb, but I was totally expecting it to have not been him that I don't know why, because he didn't mm. seem very at first because doesn't she try to shoot him at the river and then he takes her she does shoot him? him she shoots him in the, oh, in the rib um okay I, yeah i, I, I just... think he says it hit the bone so like it didn't puncture any any you know it's basically Organs. a flesh wound yeah yeah um i was just waiting for it to have not been him who killed her father or something i don't know why yeah i mean he's a crook uh he's on the run he's with lucky ned pepper uh who's played by barry pepper oddly enough um and uh or functionally um but that whole gang is is you know they're all pretty bad and cogburn's got a history with ned pepper so that whole shootout sequence is pretty awesome although lots of horses die during that shootout um and then uh mentioned domhnall gleason he was the, did you look up the picture he's the kid in the the cabin yeah he totally gets shot yeah he's dirty too totally yeah. didn't recognize him i i didn't either i had seen on the cast list and i'm watching it like kind of looking for him and I'm like, man, this guy's kind of an... Oh, my God, that's him. <laughs> it's like, wow. Um, yeah, very young, Domhnall. Um, but uh, Matt Damon's character, I like. Um, he's so... It's by funny the how book. they portray him. He is by the book, but those the, the spurs... It kind of reminds me of, like, Mar uh, Marty McFly in Back to the Future 3 when he goes back to the West and he doesn't... The uh, Doc Brown has dressed him up like John Wayne. He's just this beacon of like cleanliness and he, he doesn't look like a cowboy he, he looks like he doesn't belong and that to me is how LeBeouf looks too like he doesn't look like he fits in like to the world that he's in um his spurs are real loud that's when they're uh, staking out the cabin where Domhnall had died recently uh waiting for Ned Pepper's gang to show up you know it's LeBeouf because of his freaking jangling uh spurs you know, he's, like, walking, it's like, ching, ching, ching. It's like, and they're far away. They're, like, a good hundred meters or something away because he's got, like, a sniper rifle. And he's like, ah, oh, it's LaBeouf. And you're like, he only knows that because of how loud you are. <laughs> like, that, you know, it's it seems contrary. Um, but, that, you know, there's funny uh, commentary on, like, Texans versus, because they're in Arkansas, which I think is another kind of interesting setting element of this film that it's not in, I think I don't think they're in Texas. They say they're in Arkansas, but I I'm not a hundred percent for sure that's where they are. They're definitely not in Texas though, because LaBeouf is a Texas Ranger who has followed Tom Cheney since he shot a senator um, and is trying to hunt him down for that reason. So, um, I mean, the story is very straightforward. It's a it's a journey movie. It's you know the, the cinematography is very very strong um i i think the coens have a really good sensibility when it comes to the old west if uh 
should be noted the director of photography is Roger Deakins, um, iconic cinematographer, Blade Runner uh, 2049 cinematographer. Um, he's done several of the Cohen films, Fargo, No Country for Old Men, this one, um, even Hail Caesar, Sicario, which if you've seen Sicario, uh, has some of the best cinematography. I love Sicario cinematography. Um, I mean, God, he's done most of the Coen's films, actually. Uh, and he just finally won um, his Oscar for Blade Runner 2049, I think. Uh, but he's a, a stupendous cinematographer. There's a really cool... I just watched on YouTube um, him kind of talking about cinematography in general, giving seven tips for cinematographers out there. So if you're interested in cinematography, uh, it's a really cool, very small video. And it's also... He's a pretty humble guy. Um, to be honest, for someone who's like this iconic and work with, like Denis Villeneuve appears to have tagged him as his cinematographer. Um, the Coens have used him in film after film after film, and he's done several of the more recent Daniel Craig Bond films. So, um, you know, he's he's an iconic cinematographer, and yet there's this kind of air about him that's very cool and relaxed. But um, not something we talk about a lot on this sh on this show. But I I do uh, when you look at a western, the vistas and the wide open shots are kind of what is expected and uh for the coens their dialogue style the way he shoots the dialogue is is almost a trademark of them but i think it might be more deacon's choice um as far as like where he puts the camera in the dialogue sequences we're always in the conversation um and i think that's important for this movie because we get some really big dialogue scenes there's a, there's several scenes of like the coen style dialogue where you know, they're sitting around the campfire, we're having conversations. When she first meets him, we're having conversations. And that's what's so impressive. She was actually 14 when she made this movie. It's not just oh. like a 14-year-old character. She is 14. She's actually probably 13. Uh, she was born in 96, and this movie's dated at 2010, which usually means they shot it the year before. So, you know, she's young, and she's delivering these speeches and these monologues and having these debates with these uh, grown men. And she's stands toe to toe with them in every step, and um, this movie uh, got a lot of recognition at the um, the Oscars uh, that year. Um, nominated for best picture, uh, nominated for best performance by an actor in a leading role for Jeff Bridges, uh, and Haley Steinfeld gets her first Oscar nomination at tw in you know what I mean like at fourteen, she's nominated for best uh, supporting actress. Um, and uh, the Coens are nominated for directing and for screenplay, but win nothing, uh, which is a shame. I think this movie's really great. Um, I don't remember what won that year, but I, I like this film quite a bit. So, um, I, I'm I'm I guess I'm through. There's not a lot I guess to talk about, but well, I um, I was hoping that they did meet up later on, but she hmm. I like where she like wraps up the story at the end where. Yeah. You know, she wrote him and said he could come visit, and she'd pay him, doesn't hear anything, and then, like, 25 years later, she gets a letter from him, and he's in one of the old Wild West shows. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that he died three days earlier. Like, oh, I was so mad. Um, and then she, like, has him buried in her family plot, and I love that a lot, but I really liked that closing scene where it shows her, like, at the... Um, at his grave and then she is slowly walking away but she's just like she's completely black it looks just like a silhouette yeah. um, and it's snowing and I 
like that it snowed so many times in the movie. I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's interesting to have a western that's set in like the winter, um, mm-hmm. because those are I think two things we don't always think about together. We're like we're thinking yeah. old west, we're thinking you know, deserts and hot and dry, yeah. and, um, seeing it cold and humid or not humid, but snowing. Um, I don't know why I went humid. I guess I'm a, like there's enough moisture to freeze. Must be humid. Um, and yeah, how that affects like their their sleeping arrangements. Um, the superstition about the rope uh, and the snakes, like not crossing the rope. Um, I was wondering about that. I didn't understand that. I, it's a superstition. I'm not sure uh, if there's any validity to it um, or where that stemmed from. And I feel like it seems like that was going to play a bigger factor because she does get bit by a snake. Um, and Well, maybe it, that they tried to be careful all that time and then yeah. it didn't matter anyways. Yeah, in the end, the snake's going to get you, which maybe that is, a, again, kind of the lesson, like... Um, you know, because Tom did that. He's like, avoiding the law, avoiding the law, but eventually the snake's gonna get you. Um, and I do love that she like shot him. Yeah, and of course the irony is that her revenge literally sends her down a tunnel of 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 concern, right? Like the, uh, yeah. the recoil from the shotgun or rifle or whatever I... uh, sends her sprawling backwards. But like, I I guess that like we see her like being the strong you know female character in a time that i don't feel like women were probably allowed to be you know headstrong and stuff um and then we just like we find out i never got married i never had any whatever for that stuff i just just that she stayed like that matter of fact and Mm -hmm. just lived her life the way she wanted to yeah yeah she wasn't gonna fall into the uh the the role or the trap of that time for women, especially. Um, and yeah, there's an edge to her. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I like the character. Um, I like that she cared enough about her dad, um, <coughs> where she wasn't going to, uh, just let it go, you know, cause it would have just been brushed, whatever. Another guy's dead. It's the old West. There's no rules. It's whatever happens. Um, and yeah, and the connection that Cogburn makes with her, I think, is is important too, because as you noted, he's a he's kind of a loner. Um, and there's no like tragic backstory, like we don't hear about like how his daughter died or anything. Like, there's just how he is. Well, he's just this guy. Well, he does. He's been married at least twice, and his yeah. one of his wives like left him to go back to her first husband and took his son too. But it wasn't. Yeah, really but it it was said tragic. almost like yeah. Like, things happen, right? Like, whatever. Yeah. It's, I'm not going to dwell on it or, or make that the reason that I'm not happy or whatever. It's just, it's just happened. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, I definitely, I really enjoy this film. And I do think it's, it's I think the, the plot itself is fairly straightforward, but I think there are a lot of things you can pull from it because it's the Coens and they have themes and they're, they're writing um, and I, I think the performances are outstanding. I really, really enjoy all of the performances. Even again, Berlin's not in this a lot. He still comes out with like some really interesting character work. Like it's not, it's not like this guy. You get a feel for who this guy is really, really quickly. Um, you know, he's he's just a guy who he'll kill a guy for almost nothing. There was like nothing to gain from killing her dad, and all it brought him was his death. You know, like. Um, but he's a fighter. He's a survivor. You know, he tries real hard to not go out, and uh, she just gets the upper hand. Um, all right. 
we're at that point. Uh, Corey, do you know what you're going to rate this movie? Yeah, I'm going to go with not quite Golden Pony Boy. I, I think I think that's what I probably did. Uh, my letterbox heart rating is uh, four and a half star star rating, not hearts. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, star rating is four it's and a half. Low. But I, I'm gonna go musty uh, for me. I, I I think I I don't know if there's a Cohen film outside of Lady Killers that I probably wouldn't put as musty because I do genuinely find all of their work to be thought provoking. Even like a lot of people hate it on Hail Caesar. I think Hail Caesar is marvelous. Um, uh, I don't think it's wrong. Which part? That it's bad. I or like that movie oh, okay. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wasn't sure the way you said wrong. I was like, are you saying towards me or like in other people's opinion? No. No. Yeah. Um, which you could, you can of course disagree with me anytime. We do all the time, in fact. But um, I, I'm, I'm just generally a big fan of the Coens. I, I appreciate what they that they've made the movies. Not unlike a lot of other directors, because I would argue that they have an auteur sensibility about them, but they kind of make what they want to make. And while I haven't clicked with all of them as much. Um, the ones that do click for me really, really click for me. They're and... all so different, though. Like They are. Sometimes when I watch multiple movies by a director, you can totally just, you know, but all of the ones that I've seen, they're just my but, favorite. But they have thematic similarities, and they have, mm-hmm. um, they always have uh, stylistic components, even though they, they've jumped genres, um, and they, they can do, with, like, some excellent dark comedies, uh, they haven't done a true musical, although I, I, you could make an argument that Oh Brother Where Art Thou is a musical, and also Inside Llewyn Davis is technically a musical. Um, it is more of like a, it's a musical with diegetic music for the most part. It's not just like music out of from thin air, uh, like a La La Land or Singing in the Rain kind of thing. But it's more like um, Sing Street or Once, where the music makes sense. And see, the world I the like film. those ones. Me too, very much. Um, Definitely, I think those to me are like my gateway musicals. They're the ones that kind of got me open to the idea a little more. And then um, Singing in the Rain, I, I can't see how anyone hates that movie because I, I think Singing in the Rain is absolute sheer joy uh, with the exception of the very last musical number. I think the rest of the movie is marvelous. Um, but uh, I, I love the Coens and... Um, we are going to be spending some time with the Coens later this year. Uh, one, I will finally knock out, I think, the last two or three. I don't I don't think I've technically seen Raising Arizona from beginning to end. Um, but I've seen almost every other Coen film. And Corey's missing a few. So this uh, later this year, we're going to be watching the Coens. I think it's November or something that we have set or earmarked for the Coens month. Um, but I was happy to, to knock this one out again here um, so that we could finish our month of Jeff Bridges. Which leads me... Uh, to the final question before we move on <laughs> is yes. which of the five movies we watched this month from Jeff Bridges or featuring Jeff Bridges which is I... your favorite to least favorite or least favorite to favorite either way you want to go I knew you were going to just say this month because Starman would have been number one ah, yes. no question but I really 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 enjoyed El Royale um, then mm-hmm. I probably I'm having a hard time with True Grit or Crazy Heart next probably crazy uh true grit and crazy heart man i did not like either the last picture show or tron so let's we're gonna tie those for last well i would uh i would say for me um i think el royale is my number one also i i liked that movie when i saw it the first time and i i pretty much loved it this time around um i i don't know sometimes again i think it's when you watch a movie uh sometimes your mindset 
going in can affect your enjoyment of it. Um, I definitely had, uh, after having discussed El Royale with Big Tuna and a few other people, um, this time I went in with a different kind of outlook to watch it, and I loved it all the more. Um, I think True Grit would be my second and then Crazy Heart, although I really loved Crazy Heart, like way more than I was expecting to. Um, Same. And then I would say Last Picture Show and Tron, and I, I liked Last Picture Show, but uh, it's not a movie I feel like I would go back to because it is very bleak and it's very sad, where these other movies, like El Royale is so stylized and it's so like in your face and, and innovative and yet at the same time familiar because it does have like a Tarantino vibe to it. Um, but I could rewatch El Royale, I think, over and over and over again, even though it's a little long. Um, at the very least, I'll rewatch scenes from that movie over and again. Uh, the Cohen films, I don't think there's ever, even though sometimes they're bleak and, and have like a, a tragic sensibility about them, one of their themes a lot of times is like kind of this hero that isn't quite a hero. I mean, inside Lulin Davis, um, even Lebowski kind of ends on a downer. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that you were, you're hoping the hero can achieve, a lot of times they don't. Um, but I, there's something about the way the Coens there's still like a weird sense of hope despite all these bad things that happen to their protagonist. Um, even in true grit, she gets, she loses her arm, you know, like, yeah, but I mean, she's alive and she got her revenge. But think like for most people, the Mm -hmm. way she describes her adult life is not one that we would want to have ourselves, like a life of solitude and loneliness and no, never finding someone to love and to marry she's content with it but that's not usually what we would wish for our heroes right like we want our heroes to find love and and have that you know storybook ending and she d- does not get that and i but i'm saying all that and i i can rewatch almost every cohen film that i've seen multiple t- like i i have seen almost all of their films multiple times and i will i i love their movies despite some of the downsides so the last picture show for me though i like i definitely want to rewatch it at some point I just don't see it being a movie I go back to like on the regular where a Cohen film almost guaranteed and uh, crazy heart somewhere in the middle for that with me. Like I could definitely rewatch it. I don't know that I would actively put it on if it was on. I would like probably leave it on and watch it. But um, I don't know if it's one that I would actively go back to, but it's also not one I'm not saying, you know, I'm, you know what I mean? It's like in the middle. It's exactly where it falls. Tron. I'm good. I finally saw it. I, I'm I'm content with moving on from it. Like I don't need anything else from Tron. Um, I don't. I I see why people are amazed by it from a certain perspective, but coming at it from this in this time, it was it just felt every bit of its 1982 release date. So I'm good with Tron. Uh, I just wasn't invested. Well, next month we just did Jeff Bridges. And next month, we did, uh, technically, we did Best Actor, and we chose Jeff Bridges as our actor. Next month, we're doing Best Actress. And who is our actress, Corey? It is Sally Field. Sally Field is going to be the focus. And uh, she, um, what we decided to do is we're just going to watch Hello, My Name is Doris four times. Oh, my Uh, God, John hates (laughs) me, and he's trying to fire me. And this is the best way he could come up with. Uh no no uh i still cannot fathom how Corey does not like that movie but she doesn't um but uh, i'll give it a try again i don't know um i i don't remember the name of the fourth sally field movie that we're watching that you have not put in on our list but um, <laughs> i'm the worst but uh, it's on our dvd four pack that we I bought know, but i don't remember what it is that's what i'm saying um but next uh next month 
We're going to be watching uh, Norma Ray. For, that's the next movie, Norma Ray. Eye for an Eye, uh, Places in the Heart, and then whatever that other movie is that I don't have. I'm the looking title. up right now. Um, I'm looking up right now. Okay. So, but Sally Field movies is what we're going to be watching um, over the Murphy's course. Murphy's Romance. Say it one more time. Murphy's Romance. Murphy's I'm putting it in right now. Romance is what we're going to be watching uh, for our last episode of April. Um, so the month of April, we're going to be looking at films of Sally Field that, uh, in fact, I think for all four movies, neither of us have seen them. So mm, No, I've not seen any of these. Also, while we're talking about Sally Field, everybody, it's in May. Um, so coming up, but they're re-screening in the theaters. Oh my god, I love that movie, and now I'm forgetting the name of it. Steel Hello, Magnolias. my name is Doris. Oh, Steel Magnolias. Um, yeah, I already have a date. Steal my Hello, My Name is Doris copy on Blu-ray because Corey loves it so much. Um, I don't know how you don't like that movie. It's so good. But <laughs> um, Sally Field is an actress. Uh, she's in tons of things. You know, I think I, um, you know, she was Aunt May in the uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Um, she's in uh, Miss Doubtfire. Um, you know, that's a classic uh, that many people hate. But, you know, it's... it's what? Yeah, a lot of people hate Miss Doubtfire for a multitude of reasons. Um, it's hard for me. I loved it as a kid, and I love Robin Williams, so it's hard for me to let that movie go, um, despite the many criticisms that I've read and kind of agree with. I still, uh, it's still Robin Williams, um, and uh, and Sally Field. But Sally Field is an actress who I'm familiar with, and yet these the movies we're watching are like the, the her iconic films that I've never seen any of them, and so this unlike this month where. We watched five Jeff Bridges films, but I'd seen two of them already of the five. Next month, we're watching four Sally Field films that I've seen none of and you've seen none of. So a rare opportunity where we're going to knock four movies off of our gap list. And listeners, we invite you to join us. Um, Again, we post uh, the movies in advance uh, with the first episode, but also on Letterboxd. Um, There is a list you can follow uh, for the Movie Club movies for 2019. Um, so if you want to just kind of keep track of what our themes are and what movies we're watching, um, those are added early on and you can just kind of keep up with, uh, those. And we love to hear from you. So you can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke reviews at Corey, R star two R's on the end. And, uh, you can, of course, if you download the anchor.fm app, you can actually call into our show and leave a voicemail. If you, uh, leave something, um, you know, quirky, smart, funny, uh, entertaining, you could end up on a uh, part of the podcast in the future. So uh, we look forward to all of that. Um, again, reach out with your reviews of the films that we're going to be studying and watching for uh, the next month as Corey and I continue to whittle down our gap list, which is ever-growing because they keep releasing new movies. <laughs> so until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, BurkeReviews.com. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movieverse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.